Hi, and welcome back to What is Qualitative Anyway? So in today's podcast, we are looking at Chapter 9 of the Visual Research Methods book, Signs of Resistance, Marking Public Space Through a Renewed Cultural Activism. So in this chapter, Emmanuel David is discussing his uh, case study on artwork or what he calls visual resistance in the city of New Orleans. He uh, uh, bicycled through the city and took photographs of different art that he saw. Uh, on the public spaces, as he mentions it. So why he's doing this is because there's an individual who um, is the founder of Operation Clean Sweep, Inc., a nonprofit anti-graffiti organization vowed that his group would remove graffiti within seven days after it was reported to a a 24-hour-a-day hotline. So that's interesting in itself that someone has enough time to do that. Um, But I think that's where I initially started just reading the first few chapters of it. I started to think of conflict theory because what this individual is doing is he is going in and painting over any artwork um, with gray paint. So, but just to think of someone going through and doing this um, within seven days, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of artwork going up every day. I um, think of conflict theory because in order to have that much time to do that, or even a um, group around you that has the time and is willing to go do that for you or with you, then you must have a lot of time. And who has a lot of time on their hands, like spare time, is the wealthy. Uh, Wealthy people will have more free time to get things like this done versus people that are in the working class uh, that are in marginalized communities. They don't have the time to do that or maybe even the resources to get that done. That's what I thought of. That difference there in itself shows the different struggles that are happening in that area. From here, I wanted to touch on another part of the chapter, research goals and methodology. He mentions in the chapter what began as a small project to document the political images on those blocks turned into a case study of visuals on Baron Street, and it also led to an exploratory study of political images and the gray ghost cover-ups in several other New Orleans neighborhoods. So uh, I thought of the previous chapter uh, that we just discussed, uh, case studies, and I always love when you find those connections. So this was a case study where he was looking at specific images, um, specific uh, time period in New Orleans, and a specific issue that was happening at the time in that community. So maybe a case study of a community. Um, And it was an exploratory study. So he didn't go in there with um, an idea, a theory, Uh, or an understanding, he went in there with an open mind to understand the situation, learn from it, and then uh, use that to find his theory, to uh, find uh, what was the, what was happening there, what was happening within that community. So, but he also mentions how this type of study could be, or is challenging, um, because some of the postings are anonymous, they may not be um, legible, um, they don't have names of the person, you can't go ask them, you know, what were you meaning by this when you drew this? What was the meaning of this symbol? Um, those connections between what you're seeing, the resistance that you're seeing on this art, and the type of Uh, political issue that it's resisting it may be hard to make that connection without directly speaking with the artist or so I can see how that could be frustrating mentions how uh, 
the conversations and social interactions taking place on the street are often mediated. The dialogue is stretched out over time and space, and it takes place through the symbols, markings, and images left on the surfaces. So that explains how it's important and how these things happen over time. Um, they are happening as things are happening in society, so he or in that community. So he's following that um, those traces that are left behind for him and trying to figure out, you know, what is happening in this moment? What are they resisting? Um, so I just kind of love that whole interpretation of it. Researchers can use the visual method to understand social relationships discursively through an ethnography of images. So he's definitely advocating for the use of images uh, not just looking, because, you know, in sociology, it's a lot of social interaction. It's a lot of speaking to individuals, people, society, how all those different interactions are causing certain issues or um, certain phenomenons. So he's advocating for the use of photos, because you may, um, in this type of visual resistance that he's looking at, there's a lot deeper meaning in the, the, the anonymous nature of it. So by connecting these different discursive topics that he's seeing on the artwork, he's making connections between the different relationships that are happening within that community, um, the different resistances that are happening. And then the chapter moves on to looking at looks or he, uh, this subtopic of the chapter, developing a concept of visual resistance. So this is where he was trying to determine how to name this case study that he was doing and he kind of formulated it based on power and where there is power there will be resistance so when you are exerting control over a over people or in the situation over a community there will typically always be resistance to that whether it's out in the streets as is shown in the artwork or in the home you know through discourse and discussion there is always going to be a form of resistance so this type of resistance you're seeing in the street uh, in areas where you typically um, wouldn't see it. it there would just be buildings but they're creating new spaces and they are using their imagination and creativity to resist against those forms of power you know there's gatekeepers out there they can't go into the spaces where the uh, people in power are. So in this way, they are using these new spaces to um, resist, to show their opposition, and to even uh, incorporate the community in them because the community may not, obviously in the news or certain things, they may be curtailed to um, promote the ideology or the um, promote the the needs and wants of certain individuals, you know, that they'll benefit from certain um, explanations of a story if it's told a certain way, that one narrative. So by doing this, I guess what I'm trying to say is these uh, people that are placing this artwork on um, buildings, vacant buildings, or whatever the case may be, uh, they are incorporating the community and showing them, um, you know, we can resist this, um, here's what we're trying to say, you giving them a little bit of knowledge and access to what is happening to them by um, creating something that they can connect to. Um, hope that makes sense. This is kind of leading into what the next part of the chapter is, um, cultural interactionist criminology. Um, so it kind of is um, going into what I was trying to say previously, he mentions how, like cultural practices such as street art and graffiti, visual resistance is often considered a criminal practice, most often by structures of authority that criminalize 
alternative spaces to perpetuate systems of domination and maintain mainstream boundaries. So this is where I think of discourse theory through Foucault, because if you put certain labels on, like, for instance, graffiti and street art, if you put graffiti as, you know, deviant as criminal and street art as maybe just not important, um, not having a lot of meaning or even still criminal, um, you can see where visual resistance can also be placed into that category. So then people in authority, people in power can place that within that discourse and interpret it that way. And further, um, I see it as giving further backing to this gray ghost painting. Um, we need that painting because this is, this can be criminal. This can lead to um, more issues along those lines. So that's how I interpreted that part of the chapter. So he, um, he says, criminality of crime is defined by law. So law defines what crime is. This is another uh, way to go back to social construction. Um, how is graffiti criminal? How, you know, if, if you just think of it for what it is, it's graffiti on the wall. What places that as a form of a criminal act? Um, is it illegal because it's um, done by someone who's considered a criminal? Is it illegal because that's private property um, that belongs to someone? Um, all of that in itself is a part of social construction. Um, so that's something I always think of um, when I hear things you know, about discourse and how things are worded. This part of that um, section of the chapter where he says, I agree with Pharrell when he argues that in production of new cultural spaces, such as these spaces where this visual resistance is happening, um, perception, meaning, and identity are constructed within relationships of power, inequality, and marginalization. So through um, these different relationships in society, these cultural spaces are developed. Um, within this resistance, within this um, political resistance. Um, and it's always the class struggle that I go back to, you know, the wealthy and the poor. There's always that um, struggle that's happening there, but it allows for new spaces to develop, for new resistance. And even though sometimes for myself, I look at it like, is there an end to this? Is there a shining light? Is there some type of way where we will get to a point where there is just equality. But I think that as long as there is this type of resistance happening, this type of new discourse um, and these new cultural spaces that are happening, then um, there is good happening somewhere. There is someone getting knowledge, someone becoming enlightened by what they're seeing and going and maybe looking that up and trying to understand it more and furthering that knowledge or um, sharing that knowledge with others. So that in itself is important. In conclusion of the chapter, this, um, I guess, quote by Vito Sonsi, um, the built environment is built because it's been allowed to be built. It's been allowed to be built because it stands for and reflects an institution or dominant culture. Public art comes through the back door like a second-class citizen. Instead of bemoaning this, public art can use this marginal position to its advantage. Public art can itself as the voice can present itself as the voice of the marginal cultures, as the minority report, as the opposition party. Public art exists to thicken the plot. 
And I love that. I love how he explained that clearly. I wish that I could explain things that clearly, but public art is for those marginalized groups, you know, the working class to work against that, you know, American ideology of um, a lot of it individualism and, you know, you have to work hard and do this and focus but you know there's just so much more to that there's so much that's happening around you where people are struggling that you should give your focus to you know not just that american idea manifest destiny you know you got to make it happen like there's just so much happening around us so working collectively as a group and giving voice as he mentions to marginal cultures i think is important and that's another aspect of feminist theory is standing in solidarity with people and giving voice even if it seems uh, minor at the moment um, everything is important when you are speaking for people that don't have a voice. That's why community is just so important, you know. It's hard to break through certain, um, you know, like we mentioned gatekeepers, it's hard to break through those um, institutions. So community is where it starts. Community is where you create change that may not happen in that moment, but down the road it can happen. Children can learn from you, can learn from the people that they see in their community and create a better world that way. So people like me, um, I'm trying to better myself, talk to my son about things that he learns in school and giving him a little bit of truth, um, not letting him just be consumed by that one narrative that is um, imposed by that homogenous just structure that lingers over us in America. <laughs> but I hope all that made sense. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry.